Word of God says here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God's, knowing good and evil. So in verse 1 it says, Go back up to verse 1. I'm going to show you some stuff about the original temptation. The way Satan's going to tempt you and the way the world's going to tempt you, this is the original temptation to sin. And everybody in this room has to deal with this. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now, of course, obviously this is the devil. This is Satan inside that serpent. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. This is the first words that Satan speaks in the Bible, and it's questioning the Word of God. The first way God's going to tempt you, excuse me, the first way that Satan's going to tempt you, he's going to tempt you by having you doubt God's Word. Doubt God's Word. Guys, it starts with doubting God's Word. A lot of people think uh, Satan, uh, Satan's going to make me drink, or Satan's going to make me do some kind of uh, whatever sin you can think of, lie and cheat and murder. No, first Satan causes you to doubt God's word, and all the rest of that stuff comes later. But listen to me. Yea, hath God said. Yeah, God has said it. And the problem is people are putting question marks where God has put a period. People are putting question marks where God has put a period. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Period. He loves you. You don't have to come to me and say, does God love me? You don't have to question if God loves you. God said, I love you, period. There's no question mark there, but Satan loves to try to put a question mark there. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's period, not a question mark. So don't ever put a question mark where God has put a period. And God put a period there, and Satan shows up and he starts wanting you and having you to doubt God's word, having you to doubt what God does, having you to doubt if God really loves me, having you to doubt, can God really do something in my life? Can God really work in my life? There's no question about it. He can. (laughs) I heard a preacher, and he was uh, about this preacher, and he's preaching. Now, this is early, back in the early 30s, 1930s, and he was preaching. He was preaching at this university, and he gave the invitation, like we'll give the invitation in a minute. And as he gave the invitation, he had some football players come down, and they hit the altar. He had some uh, cheerleaders, some young people and women, come, a man and women, come down and hit the altar. And he, had, he looked up, and he was watching these people, and he was talking to some people, and he looked up, and here comes this young man, and he was crawling. And he made his way down the aisle, and this preacher's heart was broken as he seen this man who was crippled and he didn't even have a wheelchair. And he crawled up to the front and he said, preacher? And the, and the preacher reached out and he goes, yes, son. And he said, I know God has a place for these uh, healthy football players and I know ha- God has a place for these beautiful cheerleaders. He said, but does God have a place for me, a cripple? And that preacher with tears in his eyes says, yes, son, God has a place for you. God has a place for everyone. If they'll come to him. But Satan wants to tell you that, is it a question? 
He wants you to question, yea, hath God said it all starts with doubt. It all starts with doubt, friends. It all starts with doubt. And the world loves for you to doubt. I think the A&E and Discovery Channel and a lot of these channels, I think their whole, their whole uh, existence is to have you doubt what's really going on with the Word of God. What, is it really going on with what God said? Is it, really, it seems like every show I've seen has anything to do with the Bible. It has you wanting to doubt what really what... But there's no doubt about it in my mind. And listen, when I read chapter 3, this isn't something, this isn't a fable. This isn't something that Moses wrote later on. This actually happened just like it said it happened. I believe that. And Jesus Christ confirmed that because he quoted from these verses here. But in verse 2, let's look at the second one. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. So first Satan comes and he's at, he, he wants her to doubt if God really meant that. And in verse 2 he says, she says, well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Here's a problem with what she just said there in verse 2. You might not have realized this. And you might not realize this with the Bible you have in your lap. She just subtracted from the Word of God. She subtracted from what God actually said. What God actually said is you can freely eat. Freely eat. God says you can freely eat of all of this. And when you read that in chapter 2 of Genesis, when God's talking to Adam and Eve, He's telling them, see all this beautiful stuff you can have, all of this freely. It's all free for you to have. As much as you can have is what He's implying. But just this one tree, I don't want you touching this, this one tree right here. And she subtracts from the Word of God. So the temptation starts with a doubt, and then it starts from the subtraction from the Word of God. When you look at some of the versions that's going on in the world today, the main problem with the versions in the world is they're subtracting from the Word of God. They take, they're taking verses out. They're taking words out. They're taking what God said, and they're taking just a little bit out. And guys, when you take a little bit out, it changes the whole context. If you don't understand what that means, get with me after church. I'll show you some of the stuff that the Jehovah's Witnesses have done with their Bible. Just one little word called A. The one little letter of A. They've took that letter and changed the whole meaning of the Bible. One letter. And I don't have time to go into it, but that's how it works, guys. It works by not believing what God says, doubting what God says, putting a question mark where there should be a period, and start subtracting from what God says. In verse 3, But of the fruit of the tree, she said, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. What did she do there? Well, she did another sin. She not only, in verse 2, subtracted from the Word of God. Here in verse 3, she's adding, she's adding to the Word of God. God never said in chapter 2 she couldn't touch it. But she adds there in verse 3, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. So not only is she, Satan's come in and now she's doubting the Word of God. She's subtracting from the Word of God. And now, when she's quoting it back to Satan, she's adding to the Word of God. She's putting stuff in. If you go to university and start studying uh, theology, this is what's going on in the universities today. You can ask Matt and Wade, they had to deal with this. They go in and they take the Bible and they start saying, well, this shouldn't be in there. And this should be in there. And this shouldn't be in there. And this should be added. And they just start. And before you walk, you walk out of class, you're doubting everything God ever said. And that's not what God intended. God gave you a book, and He intends for you to stand on this book. This is your authority. 
Amen it is. It's your authority. You, you, everything you know about Jesus Christ came out of this book. It didn't come from TV, guys. It didn't come from Facebook. It didn't come from some writings. It came from this Bible. Everything you believe about what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary came from this Bible. And if you start doubting this, you're going to doubt everything. And that's what he wants you to do. That's a temptation. That's a temptation you're going to deal with is doubting the word of God, subtracting from it, adding to it. Verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Here's the crossroads of faith so much of us go through. The crossroads of faith. Who are you going to believe? God told you one thing, and they had never said this happened. Nobody, they've never, Adam and Eve have never seen somebody eat of this tree. Adam and Eve have never seen somebody come and pluck that uh, apple or whatever it was, a grape, and eat it and fall down dead. They've never seen it happen. They just were told this is what's going to happen. So God told them one thing, and Satan comes in and tells them another, and they're at a crossroads of faith. Some of us, so many of us that go through this in our life, in our Christian walk, we come to a point where there's a crossroads of faith where do we start, keep continuing what, believing what God said or do we cross that road and start believing what the world says and what Satan says and what our flesh says? It's a crossroads of faith. And she got right there. Because she had never seen anybody eat of it. You know, if she had seen somebody take that fruit and eat it and die, she could say, well, I believe it, I've seen it. But see, this is, all goes back to faith. Nobody in this room has ever seen heaven. But we believe in it. Amen. Nobody in this room has ever seen with their physical eyes our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we come in here every Sunday, every Wednesday, and we talk about Him, we preach about Him, we sing songs about Him, we pray to Him, but we've never seen Him. But we believe. But the world over here says, don't believe. That's just a myth. That's just fiction. Don't believe it. It's just a, you, you just don't understand. You're not educated enough. You don't, you're not, you're not learned enough. You don't understand what you're, it's a, it's a fable. And the world tries everything they can and Satan tries everything they can to tell you that's not true. And you come to this crossroads of faith like Eve did. And Satan comes straight out and says, ye shall not surely die. There's no heaven. There's no heaven. And there's no hell. Live like you want to live. You're never going to answer. There's no God. You, don't, don't. And on the other side, there's this little prick in your heart. If you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, there's a little prick in your heart and it's telling you it's, it's real. There, there is a hell. There is a judgment coming. And the world yells and screams and hollers and tries to drown out that sweet, still, small voice that's in your heart saying, you will answer someday for those sins that you've committed. You will answer. Now, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit's living in us and it's yelling out like a roaring lion, Jesus Christ is your Savior. And I love that about my sweet Jesus Christ, that he lives in me and he comforts me and he consoles me. Man, ye shall not surely die. It's a crossroads of faith and so many of us go through it. And who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe Satan or are you going to believe God? You don't really believe this stuff, do you? 
I've had somebody tell me that before. You don't really believe this stuff, right? See, what they'll tell you is you're just not educated enough. You're not learned enough. See, if you learn what I've learned, then you'll understand where you're just not as smart as I am. You're not educated enough as I am. And they try to convince you, and the world tries to convince you that we're, we believe because we're so ignorant and stupid and unlearned and uneducated and just a bunch of hillbillies. And if we could just learn what they've learned, oh, how much smarter and happier we'd be. Well, see, I'm sitting right here, and I'm looking at one side of it, and I see happiness and joy and peace in a Christianity. And I look over here in the world, and I see anger and strife and suicide and misery and pain. And everybody they promote, every star, every music star, every uh, TV star, every movie star that I see that they promote, and they lift up, and they break up, and they say, oh, look how great he is. I see them committing suicide. I see them being miserable. I see them doing all kinds of wicked, horrible things. And I wonder, okay, which one's more learned, which one's more educated? Here's the truth of it. What they're learning, guys, is what other men have learned, and they're learning what other men are teaching them. Amen. You might not believe that. When you go to college, or you go to higher pain, or you go to wherever college you're going to, you're just learning what another man is teaching you. And they were learning what somebody else taught them. And one day they look up and they go, why do we believe this? Well, because Professor so-and-so said this. Well, why does Professor so-and-so say that? Well, because Professor so-and-so wrote a book back 50 years ago, and he said this. And you got people over here saying, I believe what I believe because that book says it. I'm not doubting the word of God. I believe what that book said. The temptation's there, guys. And look at verse 5. For God doth know that in, this is Satan speaking. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Satan gives the most, he gives the ultimate temptation. And this temptation is a humanistic view of things. It's a humanistic view of things is if you can just, you can become like God if you could just get enough knowledge. If you could just get smart enough, you could just get learned enough, if you could just get out in outer space and we could get far enough out there and we could get, we're so smart, we got it all figured out. I remember reading about this scientist, and I don't know how old this scientist was, but he was an idiot. And he said, we're just, we got, we're just one or two discoveries away from just having no need for God. And if we could just figure this one little more thing out, and I can't remember what it was, he said, then we'll, there'll be no God, and we can, you know, there'll be no need for God. Dude, you can't even solve the common cold, and you're telling me how you have it all figured out? You can't solve baldness, but you're telling me how you have, have it all figured out? Go kid your mama, don't kid me. I know the truth. You don't know nothing. And you've got yourself fooled into thinking you've got it all figured out. I was reading the other day and they said they found a new muscle that never knew was in the human face. I thought we already had that all figured out. I thought we knew where all the muscles were in the human face. What, what do you, don't come tell me, oh, we found a new muscle. No, 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 no. You, to, you, you, you told me we had it all figured out. If anything, I thought we had the body all figured out. We know they don't have nothing figured out. And what they do have figured out is by the grace of God and the knowledge that God gives the people. 
doctors and whoever it is, give them knowledge. That's God's knowledge he's given them. But that's a humanistic view. So Satan will come in with this original temptation. He'll, he'll, He'll tempt you to doubt God's word. He'll tempt you to subtract from God's word. He'll tempt you to add to God's word. He'll get you in a crossroads of faith where you have to pick either God's side or Satan's side. Who are you going to believe, either God or Satan? And then he's going to give you a humanistic view. The world loves this humanistic view. And it's found there in verse 5. And it's that view I'm telling you about that he simply wants you just to say, if I can just get some more education, if I could just learn some more, if I could just get... I'm just not smart enough. That's why I believe all this stuff. Because, listen, anybody who has teenagers knows exactly what I'm talking about here. My mom and dad are so stupid. They don't understand. They don't understand what the real thing. You know, when you remember when we were teenagers and we thought that about our parents? How stupid they were and they didn't understand anything. And we were so much smarter than them. And then when you get to be about 40, hopefully it's younger than that. It took me a long time. You wake up and you're like, they weren't as dumb as I thought. And a lot of things they were telling me was right down the line. See, I think a lot of us don't understand. When you turn on the TV and you see what's going on with the news and you see what's going on with the media and you see what's going on, like when I say A&E and Discovery Channel, these, ain't, these aren't, excuse me, see how, these aren't 50, 60-year-old men and women running these shows. These are 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds running a lot of this stuff. They, they, they never even finished off paying off a car. And they're going to tell you how they have it all figured out. You know, once you, once you finish paying off a car for once in your life, then you come back and tell me how to run my life. It's a humanistic view, and Satan loves to give it to us. He wants you to think that you can be smart enough to figure it all out. Don't you know God's up in heaven laughing? Amen, <laughs> Amen he is. When they say, we've discovered this, <laughs> they don't even have it figured out. Isn't that, look at this, guys, isn't that so funny what they think? And we're up there with our suits, and we think we're so smart, and we're all going to go into the dirt, and worms are going to get us. And God's still going to be around. Voltaire, back in the 1700s, this book is going to pass away, and nobody's going to remember Christianity, and nobody's going to care about it. It's all a fable. And you know what? He's in the dirt, and I'm still up here in 2018 preaching this book. (laughs) I think this thing proved out to be true. Amen. We're lucky we've got the truth. Satan is hiding this truth from everybody in the world. And he tries to do this with humanism. He tries to do this with doubt. And look at verse 6. Let's see what, say, what, what Eve does with this information, this temptation. She's been given this. T- now, she hasn't sinned yet. She's subtracted from the Word of God. She's added to the Word of God. You could call that a sin, but literally she has not took of this fruit. And verse 6, she's going to do that sin. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that's the lust of the flesh. That's what we have to worry about, guys, the lust of the flesh. It's good for food. You want to feed this belly. It's all about me, 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 me. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. That's the lust of the eyes. You see stuff you want. You've got to have it. You're seeing it. You're seeing it. You're seeing it. And that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired. Look, a tree to be desired to make one wise. That's the pride of life. Oh, I can learn so much. I could be so much smarter. I could. Isn't, isn't it the trap we fall into? Everybody in here falls in a trap wishing we were, 
uh, rocket scientists and wishing we were doctors and wishing we were these very highly educated men. But you ever been around some of them people? You can't even stand them. Amen, brother. I mean, you get, you know, there's nothing more pompous than being around somebody so highly educated. You can't even talk to them. A lot of them are educated above their intelligence. And you get into these doctors. I remember being in it, brother. You might not remember this, but that idiot up there at Hamilton Healthcare come in there and told your wife in there, it's not going to get any better than this, ma'am. He, where he is right here, that's about what you got. You remember that, Sister Carolyn? And there he is laying in the ICU, and he's telling her, and he seemed like a sweet guy, and he might be the sweetest guy in the world, might be the nicest guy in the world. But like I told Sister Carolyn, Carolyn didn't need me to tell her this, by the way, but I confirmed what she was already thinking. God has got different plans. And you might have all this figured out in your mind how they got you telling you you're going to do this and you're going to go here and you don't have but a month to live or this is not going to get any much better. But like me and Carolyn were saying in that emergency room, God has different plans. Amen. And my God can do what he wants to do. Amen. But he was sure confident. Boy, he was convincing and sweet and had that, that old snaky tongue come out and and I told her, he should have never be telling you that. And I'm not trying to be a know-it-all. But he's sitting in the church this morning. He's not still up in ICU. And I'm not giving him the praise. Amen. Amen. I'm not telling, oh, Hamilton Healthcare did such a good job. George made it out. No, it's God. It's Jesus Christ. That's the reason why he's sitting in that pew this morning. It's the Lord says, I still want him around. Praise the Lord for that. Guys, we got so much to thank Jesus Christ for, and we just forget about it. We just, well, it just happened that way. If the doctors give us anything, it's the knowledge that by the grace of God that He gave them to do that. And it's desire to make one wise, and she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. They commit the sin. Now let's see, as they commit this sin, let's see how they handle this. And a lot of us have handled sin the same way. And we've got to understand in God's eyes what sin is. Sin is wickedness. This is something to laugh about. It isn't something to mock about. It isn't something to make jokes about. You see that all on the TV and comedians. You can't even watch uh, modern day comedians. They, lock, they mock and laugh about sin. Look at verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They tried to start hiding it. They came across sin and they realized what sin was because their eyes were opened. And Satan had told a half-truth because they had not died right when they took that fruit, had they? But spiritually, they were dead as doorknobs. And when you're spiritually dead as a doorknob, that's where sin comes in. That's where your body goes in the dirt. Sin is what brings... Sin, the wages of sin is death. That's why we're all going to die in here, because of sin. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. They hid themselves. Everybody wants to try to hide their sins. Nobody, I know, Everyone wants everything they've ever said or done to be out in the open. 
<laughs> You're crazy. Dwight L. Moody used to say, nobody wants their heart painted. Everybody wants a painting of themselves, but they don't want their heart painted. And what I meant by that is he doesn't, nobody wants the truth of their life to be painted out where everybody can see it. We try to put on a suit. We try to put on nice clothes. We try to look really, really nice for people, but we don't want people to know what's in this closet right here. And we try to hide it. Self-righteousness. Start trying to make excuses. Well, it's not that bad. I'm not as bad as my neighbor. I don't do the things my neighbor does. See, look at the way she or he's acted. Oh, they look, they're so horrible. But I, look at me. I go to church. That's not what God's going to judge. He's going to judge your heart and your sins against Jesus Christ. And yes, you might be better than your neighbor. But you're not better than Jesus Christ. And you've got sin. And this is the problem. That sin, that one, it was one sin, guys. It wasn't an accumulation of sins and finally it just all of a sudden the glory left them that was covering them and they looked like they're naked. It was one sin. And it came from doubting the word of God. It came from this humanistic view that I can be wiser, I can be smarter. And they started saying, is it God or Satan I should believe? And for that one moment, they believed Satan and their whole life fell apart and brought all this on humanity. I love what Billy Sunday said about sin. Billy Sunday's a great evangelist. He preached around 19... I love these old men, the 1900s, Dwight O. Moody, Billy Sunday. These guys, because they get up there and they, like Abraham Lincoln said, he said, I want to see a preacher that's preaching like he's fighting off bees. Not, not the Southern Baptist that, yes, and now... Billy Sunday said, I'm against sin. He said, I'll kick it as long as I have a foot. I'll fight as long as I've got a fist. I'll butt it as long as I've got a head. I'll bite it as long as I've got a tooth. I'm against sin. And he preached hard. He preached hard. And when I'm old and fistless and footless and toothless, I'll gum it till I go home to glory and it goes home to perdition. We need more preachers like that. Tell it like it is. It's sin. It's not something to hide. It's something God wants you to confess. Look here. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day. You know, sometimes it's not what God does is what he could have done. You know, I talk about that with the birth of Christ. God could have put Christ in a mansion, but he chose to put him in a manger. God could have came and gave the good news of Jesus Christ to the governors and to the leaders and to the rich men, but he came to the working man working the night shift, the shepherds out in the field. See, God could have just said, look what they've done, I'm done with them. But he came on down and he walked in the garden looking for them. See, the truth about this book, it's not, I'm not, this book is not about 99 sheep that are found. It's about that one sheep that's lost. It's about you if you're lost. God's looking for you. God wants you. And he's talking to you there in verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? If you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ is wondering where you are. The rest of us are in the house and God's family. But Jesus is not with us. He's out going on the hills looking for that lost sheep. Where are you? 
And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, He's talking to your heart right now. I want you. Don't believe the question mark of, I love you. Believe it's a period. I do love you. I died for you. Where art thou? You know, they had a man that, Jacob like this. They had a man that, this was back in the 1800s. Had a fire break out in this uh, two, three-story apartment. And they had, back then, they had those pipes that ran up the, the building. And the fire broke out. It was devastating fire. And they looked up in about the second, third story, and they seen a little boy up there. The little boy was crying, help, help. And the fire was engulfing that building. And this one brave man, he climbed that pipe. And he grabbed a hold of that boy, and he put that boy on his shoulder, and he, 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 and he told him, hang on to my back, hang on to my shoulder, and he climbed back. Well, what happened was that pipe was red hot from the fire, and it burned his hands. Well, the kids', boy, the kids parents died in that fire, and they had a town hall meeting. Who's going to adopt this boy? And as they had the meeting... They had people rise up and said, I'll adopt him. I, I, have a, I have a business here. I own a wealthy, I have a lot of wealth. I can give this boy all the education he ever could want. I can give him everything he ever dreamed. They had another person stand up and said, I'm well respected in the community. I'm a politician. I can give him everything he ever desired. And everybody wondered what was going to happen with the man that had saved that boy that wanted to adopt him. And the, cry, the crowd got quiet as the man came down the aisle. And they wondered, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? What can he offer? He's a poor man. He can't offer anything. He doesn't have the riches to offer for the boy. But when he came down the aisle, he turned. And they said, what do you say for your reason that you should raise this boy? And that man just simply raised his hands and showed the scars. He had paid the price. He would already shown the love he had for that boy. It was in the nail-scarred hands. Does Jesus love me? Look at the hands. Look at the hands. Where art thou, Adam? He didn't have to come looking for him. He didn't have to come looking for him. Our God did not have to come down to earth and look for his fallen creation. But he did. And the truth is, He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants that. Now, can I explain that? I cannot. I don't understand why God would want to have a fellowship with this wicked sinner. Why he wants to have anything to do with me, I cannot understand it. But he does. And he's in here this morning. Where are you? I want a fellowship with you. We were having fellowship before. I I want to have fellowship some more. Verse 10, and Adam said, he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, he said, told, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Now the Lord knows the answer to that. He's God. He's asking that question because he wants a confession. He wants you to confess your sins. He knows it. 
It's like when you had a little kid and you come in and the cookie jar's broken and the kid, there's cookies missing out of it, it's laying on it, and you know who done it, and you turn to your kid and say, did you get into that cookie jar? And you don't want them to lie to you. You want them to look at you and say, yes, I'm sorry, Daddy, I did. And I'm sorry I broke it. It's a confession. And that's what the Lord's looking through every, for, from every one of us. Because every one of us has sin. We don't like to admit that. We like to talk about how good we are. We like to talk about how the good things we can do. But God only looks at our sin. And he says, I want you to confess that. You know everybody's born with sin, right? That little baby over there is born with sin. Yeah. You know, Minnesota, uh, back in 1926, did a, the Minnesota Crime Commission, they did a, a study. And this is what their report was about the human condition and what causes crime. This is what they said. You won't believe this. This is what they said. Every baby starts life as a little savage. <laughs> Every baby starts life as a little savage. Listen, you say, oh, I can't believe it. No, wait, listen to what they say. He is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. Y'all know babies. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toy, his uncle's watch. Deny him these wants and he seethes with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous were he not so helpless. That sounds like a lot of little babies I know. Throwing little tantrums. Amen. They went on to say he is dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, no skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, are all born, del- born delinquent. If permitted to continue, listen, if permitted to continue in the self-centered world of his fancy, giving free reign to his impulsive actions to satisfy his wants, every child would grow up as a criminal, a thief, a killer, or a rapist. That was a government report by the Minnesota Crime Commission in 1926. That's every one of us. See, they're right on. Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us, is, 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 we could do anything at any time. Don't trust yourself. I don't. I don't, man, brother. Don't trust yourself. Man, it gets awfully quiet in here when I talk about this stuff. And I, I don't mean to hit you. I'm not trying to hurt you because I got good news. Just hang in there. I got good news for you. Verse 12. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of, of the tree, and I did eat. So God says, Who told you that? And what does Adam do? What all of us do? My wife made me do it. <laughs> it's the blame game. All of us are raised that way. All of us had that in us. Well, the reason why I committed this sin is the way my mom and dad raised me. It was the environment I was raised in. I just didn't get a fair start. I was born poor. And we get all, we have all these excuses. So what is, how does Eve handle this? And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me and I did eat. The devil made me do it. That old de- the devil over there made me do it. No, Eve. You did it. We did it. And the Lord wants us to confess it. And the great truth that a lot of us don't want to admit is there's a curse to sin. There's a curse to it. 
In verse 14, the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above, above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Not only is humankind cursed, animal kind is cursed. The dogs are chasing the cats, they're chasing the rabbits, and the, la- the la- lambs are getting eaten by the lions, but there's going to come a time where that lamb is going to lay down with the lion. Amen. And that curse is going to be lifted. <laughs> the bear is going to play with children. The Bible says that the children will have a leash and be leading bears along. Children will be playing on the rattlesnake's den, not getting bit. That's when that curse is lifted. Amen. This is the curse of sin. Verse 15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, talking about Satan, and between thy seed and her seed. See that said? That her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's obviously a reference in the prophecy of Jesus Christ coming down and dying on the cross and Satan getting his heel, but he's going to get Satan's head. But notice it says not his seed, her seed. A woman don't have seed. She does when when he's born of a virgin. See that virgin birth in there? Verse 16, unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, he shall rule over thee. I think that's pretty accurate, because everything the world's doing nowadays is trying to break that curse right there. The feminist movement is running through. Verse 16 is the feminist movement trying to break verse 16. You're not going to break it. That's God's word. Just like I believe everything God said, I believe that verse right there too. But I also believe verse 17, guys. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. That's why we work and break our backs. Amen? That's why we're sweating. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, until dust shalt thou return. You're nothing but a pile of dirt, and you're going to go back into a pile of dirt, and you're going to sweat all the days of your life as you work. And everything man's doing with the air conditioners and the windows and the cars, we're trying to break that curse. That's everything man does. Every invention is usually trying to break that curse God's put on man. And that curse is here because of sin. And it's not going to go away until sin goes away. Verse 20, and Adam called his his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And we're going to close there in verse 21 in closing. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. That's an amazing and beautiful verse. The first killing in the Bible was not Cain killing Abel. It was God killing an animal for the skins. God took a... You know the animal was a lamb. I promise you that. The verse doesn't say it was, but I promise you it was a lamb. And God took that innocent lamb and he slit that lamb's throat and took that, that coat of skin and he made a, and gave it to Adam and Eve to clothe them. So that lamb covered their sin. What does that sound like? That sounds like John the Baptist. About 2,000 years later on the, sea of Jor- on the, on the, on the river Jordan. As he see, and he sees the Messiah, Jesus Christ, coming. And what did John the Baptist proclaim? Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, God's provided a provision for you. 
You're a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You're, there's no doubt you're a sinner. But God has provided the provision. It's the Lamb of God. And you just got to put that Lamb on. And you got to ask Jesus Christ to save you. And he'll come and God, when you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, God will take that lamb, that precious blood of that lamb, and he'll cover you and he'll cover all those sins. Amen. And you'll be like Adam and Eve and then you'll have your sins covered. And it only can be done by God. You can't clean yourself up. You know, Billy Graham, Billy Graham, great evangelist. Billy Graham was a great evangelist. And he used to have those crusades, and y'all have seen those crusades on TV, black and white crusades, some of them in color. He's going into a city, a major, uh, major city, and he called the mayor and he said, I want you to send me a list of everybody that needs spiritual needs in your city. I want to pray for him. And about a week later, Billy Graham got a package in the mail. And Billy Graham went out to the, to the uh, post office. I mean, he went out to the mailbox. He got that package and he opened it up. It was a phone book of that city. That mayor had sent him a phone book. Everybody needs Spiritual help. That was what the answer to Billy Graham was. I'm not going to give you a few names. I'm telling you everybody in this town needs spiritual help. God's point to you is everybody in the world needs Jesus Christ. But do you have him? As we give this invitation, I'm going to ask you, if you've never received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, what are you waiting on? You know you're a sinner. There's a payday someday. You will stand before God. You're not going to just die and go to hell. You might say, I want to go to hell. You're going to go to hell as a containment, and he's going to bring you up. It's a point of man wants to die, then the judgment. And you're going to stand before your holy God, and he's going to judge you. And you're not going to be able to stand. But with Jesus Christ, you'll have those sins covered, and it'll be like you've never done it. It's called justification. You want that? Come on down the aisle as we give an invitation, and you can get just that. Now, if there's something else you need to deal with the Lord, come on down here to the prayer altar. It's always open. I'm going to call Brother Wade Matt up as we give an invitation. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, Father, for loving us and taking care of us, Father, and thank you for your words, and thank you so much for the provision of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Father, that as sinners, and we're ready to admit that we are sinners, that you provided a way out. And we thank you for that way out. And we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord. And if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that's never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, we're praying that you'll speak to the heart the truth, Lord God, and they'll come on down the aisle and they'll get saved, just like I did years ago, Lord. And I want to thank you for my salvation in Jesus Christ. And Lord, thank you for getting Brother George off that hospital bed. We give you all the honor and glory. Father, we're going to be praying for Colleen, Lord God. We know you're going to work something out. And we thank you, Lord God, that you allow us to talk to you. God of the universe, we get to call you Father and ask you for these favors. We thank you for that. And we're doing all that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know, a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now, you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? 
because I did the same thing, because I bowed my head, knowing I'm a sinner, and asked him to save me, and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.